Shut up, I love it. Lucifer, what mom I don't want to rise. Shut up. I love it. I'm Joe Cabello. I'm Sasha Feiler, and this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast when we invite a special guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated, misunderstood, hated, forgotten, all that. That was clean. You did it real clean. <laughs> is it the in-person energy we have? My intro wasn't great, but you know, sometimes it's harder to figure these out. But you did that pretty clean. I'm pretty proud. It's all it's all a down spiral from here. <laughs> Joining us today, he is a director, a cinematographer, all those things. He's a returning guest. Welcome, Jay Hunter. Woo! Uh, episode eighteen hundred <laughs> of Jay Hunter. Yeah, I mean, you should consider renaming the show uh, Shut Up, I Love It, starring Jay Hunter. <laughs> I was thinking more Shut Up, Jay Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be a good one. I, I, I would, there's, you know, I, I like that. That's got legs. Um, yeah, I'm director, cinematographer. You missed Raconteur. Raconteur. Well. Yes. We'll write it down next time. Uh, a raccoon time. tour. Raccoon tour. Um, yeah, Jay- your raccoon tours are legendary. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. hit all the garbage cans in LA. Absolutely. <laughs> Raccoons are big in this household today. We're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about what, Jay? Today we're going to talk about uh, a movie, if you could call it a movie, a film called Lucifer Rising by the great Kenneth Anger. Before we get into that, what's the difference between a film and a movie? Can somebody explain to me? Well, I mean, there's the pedestrian difference, which is just like a film is like a serious work of art and a movie is just like a popcorn thing of entertainment. I I, I just like to call Lucifer Rising a a movie seems weird because it's one, it's not a a flick. It's technically not. It's like a short film, if anything. Yeah, it's a short film and and it's really like, you know, um, non-narrative. Well, it's not non-narrative, but... It's it's experimental avant-garde film. It's not really in anywhere near the category of conventional filmmaking or entertainment. So that's so that's why I made the dis- the uh, distinguishing uh, remark. It makes sense. It's about thirty minutes long. Big because I was I had a busy weekend. I was like, when am I going to fit this in? Then I googled it and I was like, oh, it's thirty minutes. It was a relief for most of us that it was thirty can, minutes. <laughs> Dep- depends it's, when you knew that information. Yes, but but when Joe Joe texted me last night, saying, "Oh my god, like is this really the thing we're watching for this episode?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes, make sure it's the right music." Which I guess is there's different uh, versions of the movie of the film with different composers. And he said, "Yeah, but like, <laughs> thank God it's only thirty minutes." Yeah, I mean, I guess you're uh, bearing the lead here. Apparently, uh, Joe didn't like the movie. <laughs> he bared it. Yeah, he well, no, it no, me. that's actually, that's misquoted. I think my direct quote was, is Jay sure this is what he wants to talk about? <laughs> and when I told that to Jay, Jay said, that's exactly what Jay wants to talk about. What is he thinking? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I mean, it's. I don't expect people to like this movie. It, it's, it's probably most suit of all the things I've come onto this show to talk about. It's one of the most uh, suitable topics in a way, because it's very divisive. I don't expect 99.9% of the people to watch it, to, to, to be able to fathom it, much less enjoy it. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, you know, kind of thing or kind of goes out of his way to make it hard to watch and, and make it um, confusing and um, disorienting. So, uh, you know, like most avant-garde cinema is like that. It, it's kind of an acquired taste, but um, so yeah, I wasn't expecting anyone to enjoy this, but uh, I, I mainly was concerned. I wanted to make sure that Joe watched the right version because there are several different versions with different soundtracks. Um, are and- they all can anger stamp of approval well i mean kind of thing he he with all of his films he's famous for like re-editing his movies and so there's always a lot of versions that he's done and then i imagine there's versions that like fans have messed with and online cut. yeah yeah there's snidey cuts the, the, the air cut the, the snyder cut the, there's the, the six hour uh snyder cut version of lucifer rising <laughs> uh but but th- there's definitely um a couple versions of lucifer rising there's the original soundtrack by Bobby Bosaleil, and then, uh, th- and then, <laughs> and then uh, th- there's an- another version that's never been released. But the the audio, uh, uh, the-, the original soundtrack was written by Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, 
and uh, but it was never released, and they got into big legal fights about it. So apparently, someone's ta- but but Jimmy Page years later released the sessions that uh, from Lucifer Rising. So I guess someone took the recordings and then pasted them onto the film. Uh, I haven't seen that. And then there's also like fan versions. They put their own music on it. So there's a bunch of different versions. Just wanted to make sure you saw the proper one, which I think you did. I, I think I did, and it seems to be readily available online like this is something if you search it you can find it it wasn't hard to find for something that seems obscure to your pedestrian well well oddly enough because kenneth anger is very litigious and he's very much like broke constantly so i'm surprised that this i I wonder if the youtube channel that has this like the high res version of it if he is a part of that somehow because he's he's you know the the name says it all he's very angry he's an angry man like like there's was a, that a chosen name yeah his his original name is kenneth Engelmeyer, i believe and he t- changes to anger and he's just he's known for being an angry uh uh still uh, alive bitter fucking bat little little bastard but he's like, uh, why does nobody like my movies yeah like Sir. well he feels like he's been ripped off and like he never got paid you know and and people have stolen his his innovations and ran with them, which is absolutely true. I mean, people, he was inspired a lot of people, um, but he never got paid, but it's his own damn fault. I mean, the guy's self-destructive, like all these black magic people tend to be, they, they end up ruining their own lives. So shed a little bit of light on Kenneth Anger himself. He's 95 years old. He's still alive. He's 95. Wow. Yeah, born, he's born, born 95. He was, <laughs> he came out of the womb. <laughs> he exactly. He was born in 1927, which makes him 95. Wow, that that's incredible. I knew he I knew he was old. I didn't know he was in his mid nineties though. That's pretty wild. Um, no, okay. So Kenneth Anger. So he's this weird figure. Basically, he he grew up in Hollywood. He was he famously played Puck in the silent movie version of A Midsummer Night's Dream uh, in the you know late twenties or thirties, I suppose, when he was really little. Uh, his parents, were, his mom was like a costume designer or something like that. They were kind of you know uh, attached to the Hollywood film industry in some way or another. He grew up he was gay uh he he grew up still is he he grew up kind of ostracized out of it (laughs) he grew up kind of ostracized from society you know like he was he was really you know he wasn't in the closet like so he was kind of like kind of pushed to the fringes of society because because of his sexual identity um but he 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 was really in love with film and in love with uh you know hollywood in in general and you know he he made a lot of experimental films with his like you know bolex camera uh you know in the in the 40s and um he kind of became uh uh you know semi-famous within the avant-garde film world for i think one of his first movies is called rabbit's moon and then there's a movie called the puce moment and he basically made these little experimental shorts and that like there was always a kind of like gay themes going on in them so they're very controversial at the time and probably got him a lot of a lot of press and a lot of notoriety uh, he he moved to he lived in France for a while uh, in Paris and and you know hung out at the the Cinematheque there with the guy Henry Langlois I believe his name is who was the guy who ran the Paris Cinematheque he's also like a great you know huge fixture in like the history of film uh, in general and uh, kind of mentored under him and and uh, you know just ran with the kind of like high art circles like uh, you know I'm sure he he hung out with like your Salvador Dali's and your Jackson Pollock's and your you know the people people kind of populating the high art scene of the time. And uh, the first movie that he made that really broke through and got him a lot of uh, 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 just like, uh, you know, worldwide attention was a movie called Scorpio Rising. And Scorpio loves the rising. Loves the rising. This is this is the, the birth of the rising. So Scorpio Rising, uh, just to say it in a nutshell, he basically in Scorpio Rising he essentially invents what becomes the music video. Um, it's it doesn't sound like a big deal that's you know to us now, but but like he he took. Um, uh, you know, pop music songs like 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 you know '50s rock and roll songs, and then shot imagery to them, and then played them as as you know like as that's basically what Scorpio Rising is 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 a bunch of like blue like Blue Velvet is one of the songs in it, and some other you know '50s kind of doo wop songs, and then he'd shoot his own footage, and that that was the film. So in a way, he kind of invented the music video form. It hadn't really been done prior to that uh, in this particular way. But the Scorpio Rising is basically it starts off. It's all these kind of fetishized shots of a guy like. 
taking care of his motorcycle and like polishing it and you know the the lighting and the colors are very stylized you know like very bold reds and greens and blues um and uh anyway you're basically it's like a montage of this guy like taking care of his motorcycle and then the last part of the movie he goes to like this party and it's a bunch of like leather clad like motorcycle dudes they end up like naked like 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 like, it kind of turns into what you think is like an orgy of some sort right and and then the movie sort of sort of ends uh i believe at the end of the Scorpio rising at one point, the protagonist puts on like a horned helmet and kind of like in a sort of like satanic esque looking uh, uh, way is, is sort of like uh, uh, lording over his minions. Um, so anyway, it, it was a real, it kind of blew people's minds. They're like, what the fuck it is looks this? Looks like Nazi people were offended by it. Because he mis like mistreated them. In this. Well, 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 no, God forbid. Well, no, I think I think he he's also the, like a pioneer in that respect. Where like he was the first to, to to you know take this like leather motorcycle culture and and cross it with bondage and then yeah Nazi like SS uniform uh, uh, imagery and then kind of combine it all together. So I think people would watch it and they'd be like, oh, he's saying that Nazis are all gay and you know, but like like I, I don't know if that's it all what he was really saying. I think he was just they were like he he's interested in Nazis probably because and he's Jewish himself of course, but like he he's he's interested in Nazis I think more for their 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 interest in black magic and the occult and he's interested in you know bikers because he finds it sexy and then you know he, he like is basically kenneth anger is a huge devoted follower of alistair crowley who i believe i've mentioned on this podcast a few times uh in the past uh i can't remember if we've actually done a Not full episode depth, though i don't think we've like deserves an episode him. yeah it could be an upcoming episode because he's he's one of my all-time faves uh he's another horrible person a bad guy uh but but uh someone i'm big I'm, papa is we call him. big papa yeah when we when we watch the <laughs> lucifer rising he pops up on the a picture of him on the wall and i said there's big papa uh, yeah, yeah i did notice his inclusion in it and how long is the scorpio rising is that short too scorpio risings yeah it's like under 20 minutes or so 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 it, it like you know like for instance um like martin Scorsese is a huge uh, uh, was hugely influenced by Scor- by Scorpio Rising, uh, Coppola. I mean, like all, all your your great filmmakers of the of the seventies watched Kenneth Anger movies in, in the sixties and late fifties and were really blown away. Like everybody who was studying film at the time was watching Kenneth Anger stuff. They were watching Stan Brakhage uh, uh, short films, Maya Darren, like you know the, the, you know Jodorowsky, who we talked about before. Um, you know, the, like th- those are the way out their filmmakers that that um people were studying in film schools alongside you know conventional films you know they were watching ben-hur but then they were also watching scorpio rising uh uh, back to back um so to speak and so so yeah so kenneth anger he he he's he's very big into the occult he's a follower of of alistair crowley specifically he's i believe at least was or is still a member of the ordo templi orientis which is crowley's occult (laughs) which is alistair crowley's uh formalized uh occult group um and uh, yeah it's kind of like it kind of pervades all of his work this like the crowley imagery and crowley philosophy and uh, he's really kenneth anger's a big proponent of ceremonial magic uh what i like to sometimes call the funny business uh you know the uh, the occult, black magic, whatever you want to call it, like that's what he's a practitioner of it, and uh, very, it very much dominates every element of his life. And so, you know, he he was kind of this this like guy on the scene that everybody knew, like you know, musicians, movie stars, you know, like you know, the artists, they were all hanging out together, and 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 he he was part of that world, and and he drew in a lot of. Uh, people speci- specifically the Rolling Stones, like uh, um, uh, and specifically Mick Jagger, was it was it was really big into the occult and Crowley and kind of teamed up with Anger at a certain point in the '60s. Uh, there's there's apocryphal or or should should I say like mythic story about how he 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 instructed Mick Jagger to perform a chaos ritual uh, before they performed at Altamont. And, uh, the, the, you know, whether they actually did that or not, that, that's what the rumor is, is that, is that Mick Jagger performed this sort of Cro- Alistair Crowleyan chaos ritual in, in their, in their trailer, uh, before the Altamont concert and unleashed chaos upon, upon the, uh, the, the concert. And, and was it a chaotic uh, concert? Well, yeah, it's the famous concert where the guy got killed and oh. like the, 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 the Hells Angels killed the guy in the ah, audience. And, that's the one. And it was like a big riot. It was a big, there's a, a great movie called Gimme Shelter that's. Yeah. Yes. A documentary about it um 
But anyway, so Kenneth Anger, he's 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 this wild guy, and he's really into Crowley, and he's he, the wizard from A Field in England. Yes, in a way, yeah, yeah, like Seems like he's like he, he's a he's a, an ang- he's an anger type of uh, figure for sure. Um, you know, I I think I think you know Kenneth Anger, he wants to be a great filmmaker, but he really wants to be Alistair Crowley, and I think in his mind he he could take Crowley's philosophy and worldview and 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 system, quote unquote, and 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 he felt it was his mission to kind of bring it to you know like reintroduce it to the world and spread the word so to speak through his films so i think that's kind of part of his like uh implicit uh message or or or, or not message his implicit mission uh as a filmmaker and so you know so he he basically he's like he's making a lot of experimental films and he's this movie lucifer rising which was to be his follow-up to scorpio rising is something that he started working on in the mid-60s and he didn't finish it until 1981 is which is when the official lucifer rising release date happens that in between wow. the mid '60s and '81, he 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 takes footage that he's been using for um, uh, Lucifer Rising and makes other films with it, like cuts together other shorts. But he doesn't actually, you know, release the quote unquote Lucifer Rising uh, film until until the early '80s. Um, the the you know it, it's it, Lucifer Rising gone through you know like there's been a lot of collaborators there's a I mean it's, it's got a crazy story behind it like Bobby Bosalel who ended up doing the score for it was originally going to play Lucifer in the film in the mid 60s uh, when he and Kenneth Anger were living together Bobby Bosalel ends up going on to be one of the first people that uh, one of the early members of the Manson family and the the, the uh, he was he killed somebody at the behest of Manson and was uh, uh, tried and put in jail for it long before the Tate LaBianca murder. So he's like OG Manson family. Um, and he, you know, he, he, he did it. So he, but he knew anger and was working on this movie prior to even meeting Manson, uh, when they're living together in San Francisco. So the, anyway, there's, there's, I could go on for, is it for possible so that anger's, uh, black magic led Busalele, what's his name? Bosalele. Bosalele into his dark path. Uh, I would say for sure. I mean, I would be surprised if Kenneth Anger didn't know Manson when they were all in San Francisco. They were they were definitely all living in San Francisco at the same time. So you know, and and allegedly and, and, friends. Yeah, and, and so you know, if you read a book uh, uh, that came out recently called Chaos by Tom O'Neill, which is about uh, a, a serious work into uh, uh, reexamining of of Manson's history and. Um, you know, we, we maybe we should do that as another episode, actually. Uh, but but no, no, I think I'm <laughs> staring at the book Manson. right there. Yeah. But uh, but so so the the Manson thing is is kind of just like a side note. It's like a weird side note. It, it kind of it, it makes me interested just because like there's so many connections to these weird things. There's like Kenneth anger and there's like the underground occult black magic scene. And then somehow these like Manson guys are involved and, but it's also Mick Jagger's involved. And then he's living at Jimmy pages, uh, castle in England, which used to be Alistair Crowley's castle. It's like, it's like this whole mm. world of like interconnected tangents of weirdness that, that all overlap. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Kenneth anger, you know, is, is intersected by so many of these tangents to let you, catch a breath yes uh joe have you heard about either kenneth anger or lucifer rising prior to this recording uh just in name like i the names are familiar but lucifer have you heard of lucifer yeah yeah, i've heard of him (laughs) that guy he's all right uh but yeah the film even scorpio rising i've heard of them but just didn't know what they were Mm -hmm. or anything and even kenneth anger just heard the name and been like you thought i was like wow horoscope like uh, astrology yeah i thought i thought they was raw uh from (laughs) teen beats horoscopes (laughs) uh so yeah this was uh totally new i didn't really know what to expect um other than seeing that 28 minute Mm -hmm. time and i was (laughs) like you know what i think that does say something right like when a movie's only 28 minutes like it, what it, is this it's, right it, well it's it's easy to stomach like when a movie's three hours you're like jesus mm-hmm. if i don't like this this is gonna suck to kind of wade through but no, also no it's like what is it be... gonna be this isn't gonna be a movie right, right you know right, like right. it's mm-hmm. even it's not 
I see. Going to be a narrative at yeah. all? Why? And, why would it be? And I mean, my definition of narrative film is a lot broader because, like, 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 I went to college and studied under Stan Brackage, who's Show one off. of the, who's one of the, the, the uh, um, name dropping. He, he's he's like the 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 father of American avant garde cinema. And in this film school, we watched a lot of avant garde stuff. And I would call Kenneth Anger's stuff narrative, but there there are versions of like art film or avant garde film that are non narrative, like you know, for instance. Stan Brackage would oftentimes like he would just take fil- like blank film leader and scratch on it or paint on it. And so the, the result in projection is like this, like it, it looks like a moving painting, you know? So like, that's mm. what I would call non-narrative. Like there's no f- photography going on. There's no sound. It's like purely like light and images. Uh, and you know, so, but whereas kind of thinker he's, he is, you know, he's, he's photographing things. There's actors that, you know, he, there, there's music, there's sound. He's, he's, he's trying to tell a story, even if it's a very unconventional narrative, but it's certainly not, um, you know, like, like a three act story. Like there's, there's not a, there's not a plot, so to speak, like, like, you know, but, but he is trying to, trying to, trying to weave some sort of a narrative uh, with these juxtaposed images. Now, what I would say is that you've probably been aware unwittingly of Scorpio rising because um, like I said, a lot of people are heavily influenced by him. One person that's extremely influenced by him is uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, the director mm. who did Drive uh, is one of his uh, famous films. Yeah, and, and in Drive, Ryan Gosling's character wears a jacket. The gauze. He, Baby he, Goose. He he, uh, <laughs> he he wears a jacket uh, from Scorpio Rising. Mm-hmm. Like in in Scorpio Rising, the main character has a jacket with a scorpion on the back of it. And and Nicholas Winding Refn had gauze. They basically they made a re- recreation of it, and he wears that jacket throughout the movie as like a oh. as an homage to to Scorpio Rising. So what many people call the Drive jacket is actually the Scorpio Rising jacket. It it, it, it absolutely is. You, you and heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. And, and shut up, I love. Although I guess Jay with Hunter. there's a lot lot of uh, symbolism and uh, drive with it of uh, the scorpion and the frog story yeah yeah no. so it works really well despite being from something else for sure i mean like refin is he's probably one of the biggest he he's probably one of the only people that's going to listen to this podcast or he's he's he, <laughs> shout he, out he, he not, not this podcast but he's probably the only person googling like you know lucifer rising every day to see if like new stuff pops right. up mm. right so he's probably going to find this and he's probably listening right now now he he uh he loves kenneth anger so much that he he um named one of his films Valhalla Rising, which is with uh, Mad- yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. So Valhalla Rising is a reference to Lucifer Rising, the, the film we're watching today. So, you know, it th- th- doesn't have really too much other connection other than that. But like, you know, he it, it's somebody, you know, like that he he drives a lot of a lot of inspiration from. Um, yeah. So. So if there was a way to describe any narrative or elements of narrative or any set pieces or anything of that kind, what would it be, Lucifer Rising, for somebody who hadn't seen the film? Well, if you hadn't seen the film, none of this is really going to make sense. But if you have seen the film, it might not make sense either. Well, yeah. So, it, so it's. <laughs> but 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 here here's what I'll do. Like, um, it, it's hard to have like a one to one correlation in this movie to say this means this and this means that. But what 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 is is certain is that the movie is basically. Um, a retelling of the Egyptian story of Horus, right? So uh, in Egyptian, uh, 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 what would you call that? Egyptian mythology. mythology, uh, You've got Osiris, who's like the the original god. And then Isis is, I believe, his sister. Um, At one point, uh, you know, they're like the kind of king and queen of the gods, so to speak. And and Osiris's brother, Set, who's the snake uh, god, uh, represented in the movie uh, uh, by a crocodile, um, he he kills Horus and chops up his body into like a into a million pieces, and then Isis retrieves all the pieces, puts them back together, and a a, a new being rises from it, uh, which is Horus, which is basically the son of Osiris and Isis, and so Horus it it like he like rises from the from the mound of flesh that his father was, and so and and uh if you compare that mythical story to like the christian story or like or like the old testament um basically horus is lucifer right like and lucifer is the fallen angel so lucifer was an angel with with god you know he's on team god and then lucifer uh wanted to you know uh 
share knowledge with with uh the with mankind right and then god struck him down from for betraying him uh because that was a big no-no god didn't want to share the knowledge with with mankind um so so god cast him down from heaven uh where he would live like in hell now so he so, so like who Luke, is the bad guy is the question exactly exactly well, well, well i mean a good question mm-hmm. it's kind of what like the like the occult and and crowley for sure are like part of their mission is is that, that like what they would say what Crowley would say what anger would say is that is that Lucifer has been misconstrued as as Satan right so like like the concept of Satan is separate Lucifer is a fallen angel and Lucifer represents the light bearer right so he's the bearer of enlightenment so he's the he's like the he's knowledge that, that, that was that, that was you know, God rejected because, like, because he doesn't want mankind to have knowledge. Kind of like the apple in the Garden of Eden, right? Like mm-hmm. it represents knowledge. So you could say the apple and Lucifer and Horus are all synonymous in in, in, in a way. But over time, you know, cr- the Christian Church has sort of um, uh, their propaganda machine has has rewritten this story and and told us that no, Lucifer is Satan, right? So that that's why when you hear the word Lucifer, you immediately think, oh, Satan, right? But like yeah. to, to these guys, to these occultists. To people that are that are into this uh, hermetic knowledge, so to speak, are are, are going to say no, 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 Lucifer, like like that's a perversion of of the true story. Like Lucifer is the good guy. Lucifer is the guy who wants you to learn about the universe and become like in union with God, or like be, like 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 to to ascend to the level of gods, right? And so like organized religion is there to hold everyone back and keep that knowledge from you. So so the movie is is basically a like symbolic representation of that mythological story. Um, you know, you, you also have uh, Lilith uh, represented in the film by Marion Faithful, who is the blondie, who is Mick Jagger's. I don't know if they ended up married, marrying, but it was his girlfriend for quite a while. She's a musician as well. Marianne Faithful. So she she plays Lilith in the, in the film. She's the blonde that's kind of walking up the staircase. Right. And then she's in the room with the shattered glass and uh, uh, kind of broken altar. Um, and, uh, and 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 so the, the idea with the, the Crowley system is that is that what they what they're looking like you know Christians are looking for like like they're eager for the apocalypse to happen so that like all the evil people can be killed and we'll just all go to a utopia well they, they want the easy way out don't they with that they're like we want the rapture to happen because anybody who dies in the rapture goes to heaven so every Christian really wants the rapture to happen in their lifetime Mm -hmm. that way they could be as shitty as they fucking want and then get a free hall pass yeah and it's kind of the ultimate it's the climax of their story right of 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 their myth is is that one day our guy will come back all the bad people get killed all the good people will get killed too but that but they'll end up you know going to heaven and and everybody all the christians all the believers will win well with with the the occult uh version of that is basically uh well in the christian version the antichrist shows up right and and uh and and ushers in the apocalypse so in the occult version the the antichrist is lucifer and is is reborn or manifests on earth and doesn't destroy the world but instead brings an age of enlightenment and 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 like a like a golden age to mankind so in their mind it's not this like death cult where like god's gonna come and kill everybody and we're gonna we're gonna look forward to that it's like no no, no. lucifer is gonna show up he, he's gonna open up everyone's eyes and we're gonna enter into this like utopia basically um where, where we become you know gods ourselves in some in some form or another so that's kind of like the the story of lucifer and then and then you know lucifer rising and and then at the end of the of the film you know the the you know that there there's all these shots in the ruins in ancient egypt and then you know a ufo shows up one of my favorite things when you juxtapose ufos with ancient egypt stuff i mean yeah, I'm ancient like, aliens i'm on board listen to, I'm the on, listen to the episode i'm into it so you know so so it sort of ends so i think the implication there is is that like lucifer comes back the age of enlightenment uh, uh happens or, or or mankind becomes enlightened there's a utopia and then the aliens show up and uh game on i, I suppose at that point or another and we've, we've just got to whatever the game might be exactly exactly so so that that's kind of it it in a nutshell and and, it, and it's it's funny that he spent so much time working on it and it's really you know 
not terribly concise and you, like you think if you spent that much time working on something like you, it would be a little more rock solid you, you would know? have rethought the st- everything about it <laughs> hey how can we let's do another draft to this yeah i mean th- there's a lot of really striking imagery in the movie that i think is incredible but like there's also a lot of shots where it's like you want to shoot that again on a tripod like like like, like you spent 20 years making this and that's the shot you're going to cut in for f- 12 frames like this shaky out of focus thing but you know i mean you could say part of that is just like kind of his, his style overall or whatever. But like, I mean, clearly a lot of it is like, it's like a mixture. Kenneth Inger is like a, like a mixture of like, of like a masterful craftsman and a total lazy hack. Like, like, like he, he's kind of alternating between those two things. Cause there, there's some imagery in, in it. Like there's one where it's a profile shot of Lucifer, like laying in a bed and I don't know how he did it. There's some sort of like screen behind the silhouette of the man's face. And as he's breathing, you can see the vapors of his breath and almost like his aura coming off. Like, like there's like, I have no fucking clue how he, you know, how he shot that. Like, I mean, like the, the, there's a lot of, a lot of thought, you know, there's one shot at the end where like, it's like these, it's almost like there's like crazy, uh, tectonic shifts going on and these huge rocks kind of shoot out of the dirt. Like, like, like they look like kind of triangular rocks. And I mean, it looks like it's on the level of like a big budget Hollywood film, you know, like, like suddenly mm. the shot, this effect that he's showing. So it's clearly like he's alternating between these really, you know, thought out, very, very meticulously crafted shots. And then other shots where it's like, he's literally like, it's out of focus and he's shaking the camera. <laughs> like it's like yeah, a shot like of like, not a, even artfully. Yeah. Yeah. There's so it, just kind of sloppy. Yeah, exactly. Sloppy. So that's what I say. He, he alternates between like, like, like this really incredible stuff. And I, I imagine it's probably has to do with who he was working with. Cause maybe, you know, he's shooting it over 20 years. It's probably one trip he takes. He's, he's shooting it himself. Another one, he got a really good, DP to shoot or something like I know for well here's another connection to Nicholas Winding Refn in Drive so the DP of Drive is this guy named Newton Thomas Siegel and he's a very famous DP he shot like the first two X-Men movies and he shot like Bohemian Rhapsody he's shot like a million movies he shot and he shot Drive and Refn hired him to shoot Drive because he's one of the people that shot Lucifer Rising like so he's mm. he's he's probably the one he was young when he was working on it but he was probably the one he probably a lot of the best looking shots are are, are uh, Tom Siegel's uh, shots you know so 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 again so like you know I just I just love these connections like Refn he's obsessed with kind of anger and lose for rising he makes this big hollywood drive movie with gosling he's like i'm gonna hire the the one Hollywood the I'm third gonna- <laughs> unit of lucifer rising <laughs> well I, I think he, he like he knew about he knew the guy worked on the movie so when he's like looking at resumes he's like i'm gonna hire the guy that shot lucifer rising for sure um so you know so anyway it's 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 a weird movie and is it i don't even know if it's kenneth anger's best movie i think his best movie is this movie called inauguration of the pleasure dome which i would highly recommend but um is that a feature or is that also that's a little longer that's about 40 minutes long and 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 (laughs) it's it's a lot more um i respect it it's a lot more well-crafted. I think he, he shot it in the late fifties, early sixties, but it's a lot glossier and a lot prettier. And it's really, you know, heavily symbolic of like rich of like occult ritual and stuff. But, um, it, it's, uh, so if, if anyone's interested in this, I would say, check out inauguration. I, I of the love like a, it's, it's basically like, like bites. Like, you know, you can just consume him in bites. You don't have to yeah. have like a long journey of being like what am i doing here like too much alistair crowley too much <laughs> this was my life basically you know it's too much alistair crowley mm. conversations ufos and uh <laughs> you know black magic you just bite size you know you just have a little this, bit of can- kenneth anger and move on with life this is true and is that because he doesn't have any interest to make a full movie or any ability i don't think if he ever had the opportunity to i think he's too self-destructive i mean every every story with him is like he's friends with mick jagger and then mick jagger's like get the fuck away from me i hate you like i like mick jagger did the soundtrack for one of his movies a movie called uh invocation of my demon brother and uh that's great name that, 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 that's one where sounds he, like a comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's one where he used footage comedy. from the Bobby Beausoleil uh, years, the early years when he was shooting, and, and kind of you know stuff that Lucifer Rising material cut another movie together uh, with it. But but you know, but again, like he he's collaborating with Mick Jagger and he's rolling with the Stones, and then and then they have a falling out, and then he's then Jagger's like, get the fuck away from me, I never wanted to look at you again, and who knows why that happened, but like it's it's definitely because of anger, being a piece of shit, and being like an 
asshole in the sketch ball. Same thing yeah. with, with, with Jimmy Page. Like he recruits Jimmy Page to do the soundtrack of Lucifer Rising. He's moved into his castle and the Crowley's castle and he's living in the in like one of the, the dark like basement rooms with his Steenbeck editing machine cutting stuff. And then at one point they have a falling out and he kicks him out. You know, so Kenneth Anger's whole like you ever meet these people where they they're always telling you about how how they're being victimized and 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 you know they're they're like oh this person was such a dick and that person screwed me over and then you start to wonder like maybe the 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 one through line here is you and maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're the problem and you're causing Classic. the problems rather than the world is against you you know yeah and you will always step on your own foot type of situation yeah you know? yeah and 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 anger he's just a weird guy like like i i i got to imagine he uh is a is a a nasty person he's he's unpleasant i mean whenever i've you Maybe watch he's listening though <laughs> i want to you know he's doing a spell right now they, no he probably is well well i wrote him because i wrote my senior thesis oh, on on his movie another, there's a backstory <laughs> there's more there's some personal <laughs> there's beef. The, the, well not personal beef but but like when i was in college i wrote a, a thesis and I graduated summa cum laude. Thank you very much because of it. With highest praise. Well, have you ever been to porn school? You can graduate someone come loudly. <laughs> I was nice. come loudy. But whatever. Uh, and Jay always tries to one-up me. Or tries and wins. So, well, summa, summa cum is the highest of, the, of them all. So, And that's what I got. Um, and, <laughs> so fucking cool. And, and, but, but so I wrote my, my thesis was called, very pretentious uh, title. It's Go called... Ahead. Metatextual implications of Kenneth Anger's invocation of my demon brother, oh, and, my. and and so um, Page Turner. So when I was doing my when I was do, oh yeah when I was doing my thesis, uh, I wrote to Kenneth Anger and and and, uh, and he never wrote back. Like, I wrote to him I'm like, hey, I'm doing this my thesis on your movie, and I just like 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 can I call you or like would you be interested in doing interview? Like I I tried to contact him, and he was he's at that point he was easy to find. He was living in Echo Park. I remember I sent a letter to Echo Park, and, like to an address there and uh, you know he never got never got back like he's he probably it, i'm sure that i wouldn't doubt that he read it and was like fuck this guy piece of shit who do you think he is or or or, or 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 i'm sure he was thinking like 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 i'll do it if you pay me or something you know he's just like like a bitter bitter angry old man in fact another connection to him is uh stan brackage who is a lovely man and you know who who i took many classes with he he died of cancer and he actually blames uh well the, 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 basically he invited Kenneth Anger to the Telluride Film Festival, I think in the late 70s or maybe early 80s. Um, it might have been with Lucifer Rising. He may have gone to Telluride with it uh, to, to show it. And But he was a guest of Stan Brackage, who was a fixture at Telluride every year. And, uh, uh, you, you know, like they had some kind of a falling out. Like, who knows what Kenneth Anger did? Probably pulled some dick move and like alienated Stan. If you're and, listening, and, we, don't, we don't hate you. <laughs> we, well, we have nothing against you, Kenneth, but uh, but please don't put a curse on us. But, but, he, but so what he did, uh, he was so mad at Stan that he... he uh, put out a press release or something saying announcing his, the production of his next film, which is called the the denunciation of Stan Brackage, <laughs> and, and so and and he he wrote a letter to Stan. And Stan said it was written in blood. I, I never saw it, but he said he, he that Kenneth sent him a, a letter c- placing putting a curse on Stan, like like like, like oh my saying God, he's definitely going to put a curse on us. I, I'm really concerned right now. <laughs> no, no it, it, but but uh, Stan Stan ended up getting cancer and dying. And he told us in our classes that he 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 he, he said there were two things that gave him cancer potentially. One was the coal tar paints that he painted on film with, which or carcinogenic and proven to give you cancer that his hands were covered in for years and years. And that's why he got the cancer. But like his other thing was that, was that I think Kenneth Inger had something to do with it too. Um, you know, like, like I mean, I, I, have we learned when, anything from when, this? And when given the chance, I mean, it could be anything. I snorted pure cancer cells or, I did have that one lunch with Kenneth Anger. <laughs> well, it might be Kenneth Anger. Well, I, th- well, I think Stan oh, explained it at one I'm point. Worried. Stan explained it at one point. He he said he said he said the paint gave him the coal the, the coal tar paint gave him the cancer, but it was Kenneth Anger's curse that like unleashed it in his body. Like it was it was sitting there like uh, brewing, and mm-hmm. Kenneth Anger like his his diabolical curse like uh, uh, made it bloom inside of him. What kind of cancer was it? Um, I can't remember what kind of cancer it was, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but he, he lived a a long time with it and like, you know, he, he passed away. He probably could have lived a lot longer, but like he had a nice full life. I mean, you know, I, 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 like he, he passed away a year or two after I graduated. So I got to hang out with him, you know, like the, I was one of the last 
people to take classes from him. So I'm, sit on his lap. Sit on his lap. He was a lovely man. He was a lovely Santa Claus man. But um, but yeah. So so anger is just one of these guys. Much like Crowley, from what I've read and what I gather from Crowley biographies that I read, is that constantly, constantly. He he. You know, a lot of these occult people they they. Um, supposedly are harnessing the powers of the universe and, you know, invoking uh, Sumerian demons and all this stuff. Um, but it, it tends to have a, a bad effect on their personal lives. They, they tend to all die penniless, uh, disillusioned, you know, addicted to drugs. Like they, they end up having their lives completely destroyed, you know, like, like With not many followers or yeah, the, 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 there's not usually a success story. Like, 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 Oh, that occultist like turned out great. Like, you know, like he, he, he ended mm. up doing really, really but well. Scientology yeah. might be a version of that, right? Where well, Scientology is a version of the Crowley system. Like the, like, do you want it? Do you really want to go there right now? I know, but it's more <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't mind, but I, I feel like that's more of, there's probably some success for figures at large. No, for sure. As you know, L. Ron Hubbard is the all-time cult leader winner. Uh, like he, he has the he has the highest score on the to board. Our previous episode. And uh, and yeah, well, well, just in a nutshell, because I could go on for days about this, but but basically, Crowley's Crowley's representative in the U.S. Uh, who ran the, the Ordo Templi Orientis um, was this guy named Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons was a guy who he was a rocket science scientist and he co-founded J, jet propulsion labs with JPL in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. He great co- hikes around he, there. He, he co-founded There's, there's a, there's a, he's a big guy in, in, in rocket science. He's, he's a big figure in rocket science. He basically invented solid rocket fuel, which is one of the ways we get shuttles uh, into space. And he, so he was a, he was a astro scientist, astrophysicist, whatever you want to call it, rocket science, literally a rocket scientist and a heavy occultist. And so he, 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 and on, his other interest was science fiction. So he lived in Pasadena and he had this huge compound. He was super rich because of he, you know, the government contracts and founding JPL. He was rolling in cash and he had this huge compound um, with all these different houses on it in, in uh, Pasadena off Orange Grove Boulevard. And he invited occultists and science fiction writers to come to his compound and live for free, like kind of like an artist colony that he like subsidized. And, uh, among the the writers were like you know Philip K Dick was there at one point Robert Heinlein and a little guy named L Ron Hubbard who was a science fiction writer and and, and so so what happened was all these science fiction writers were hanging out at this artist colony with Jack Parsons and they were mingling with all these occultists you know and so and so Hubbard and Parsons became really tight and they basically the, the, this is all documented even the Church of Scientology it, it has to admit that it happens because or it happened because there, there's so much documentation so many letters written uh, about about it that they can't deny that it happened that their explanation is that he that hubbard was there to liberate uh imprisoned like uh you know cult victims or something that he was there to like you know right. help people who were trapped in this cult <laughs> but, but what he was really doing was um that they they were actually performing this thing called the babylon working which is what you see in lucifer rising which is which is basically like the you know trying to invoke lucifer and bring about the the age of the the enlightenment slash apocalypse um and it's a it's a ritual that alistair crowley designed and parsons and hubbard were actively like basically what it involves is they get a a woman called that they call the scarlet woman and they perform these rituals and impregnate her yeah she has to be redhead with green eyes and and they they impregnate her and the, the soul of the baby is extracted and they 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 implant the soul of lucifer right like they pull lucifer's entity from the ethereal plane much like in Luz, in rosemary's baby the same concept right mm-hmm. um so so but jack parsons and hubbard actually did this uh hubbard learned all about crowley from from parsons that he became practitioners and we know this because they would write like parsons would write letters to crowley who was still alive at the time in england and he would send him and be like being like 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 ron hubbard and i are are doing the Babylon working and we've been doing it for two weeks and it, nothing's happened yet. Can you give us some advice? And Crowley would write back like, I don't trust mm-hmm. this guy Hubbard. Like he seems like a, like a charlatan, like, like you shouldn't be doing this. Like, like th- this is this, this ritual is too, is too complicated for you to handle and everything. And so, um, so anyway, so, so, so what, what, what happened was that Parson like Hubbard, um, ended up running away with Parson's wife and, uh, 
Parsons later ended up blowing himself up in his uh, laboratory mysteriously. Uh, and, uh, and, and was she a Scarlet woman? She was. Yeah. She was the Scarlet woman. Her name is, uh, Marjorie Cameron, I believe. And, Shout uh, out. Marjorie Cameron, she's in, uh, inauguration of the pleasure dome, the other kind of thing or movie. See, this is all, oh, all everything God. overlaps, but so, so, so Elrod Hubbard ended up going out and, uh, creating Dianetics and, and creating Scientology. And it was all basically his whole system is the Crowley magical system, but it's, everything is renamed. All the symbols are changed, but essentially the, the guts and the skeleton of Scientology is, is, uh, uh, you know, entirely in debt to Alistair Crowley's magical system. So, so that's a way where, again, where everything starts connecting and it starts making my, my synapses light up because I love it. And that's the shortest version of that I could possibly tell. There's much more, you know, does not. It seems as though everything about this movie is interesting surrounding <laughs> it, right. but not the actual movie. The, true. True. I, 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 I wouldn't <laughs> disagree. One. I wouldn't disagree. Like, I think that the, the, the work of Kenneth anger, it's interesting in and of its own, but like it is, you kind of, it's like part of the text. Like it's not the entire text. Like the reason I like it, I think you're absolutely right is because it's part of this greater narrative, you know? And like, I love the connections. I love the fact that, that like Bosaleil was a Manson guy and, and he's a part of making this. And I love that like Mick Jagger's girlfriend is in it. Like, like just all this weird, these weird connections and synchronicities is, 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 Oh, here's another one. So the guy that plays Osiris in, in the film, um, is this guy named Donald Camel? And Donald Camel uh, was what a great name. Directed a feature film. His father was a, a famous occultist as well, and I think knew uh, like was part of Crowley's crew. And so Camel ended up, uh, you know, he's like in these magical circles his whole life, uh, befriends Kenneth Anger. Camel ends up going, uh, uh, directing a feature film called Performance, starring Mick Jagger and, uh, and, uh, and uh, photographed by Nicholas Rogue, who ends up being, being a great filmmaker, a director on his own, director of uh, Don't Look Now and, uh, and uh, Walkabout and many other films. But um, but yeah, so Donald Camel ends up you know, he makes this really kind of like wild avant garde feature film, but it's it's more of a conventional narrative, um, and uh, ends up killing himself, right? Because all these guys their stories never end up uh, uh, on a positive note. Like he ends up shooting himself in the head. But that's the guy who's playing Osiris in the film. Yeah, all these guys seem to think it won't be me. I'll master this, <laughs> and it does not. It's a cautionary tale. I mean, like the stuff is. That's why I, I'm fascinated with it. But I've unlike uh, like certain friends of mine. I'm uh, looking at you, Bry, Mr. Owl. Uh, so, so, you, you know, like I don't practice this stuff because, uh, like, I th- I'm turned off by the possible ramifications on my on my personal life and my, my existence on this planet. Well, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated with it from a distance, but like there's people, the people who get involved in it, it doesn't tend to turn out well for them. Like it tends to ruin their well, lives. Where's the chicken? Where's the egg? Maybe it attracts a certain depressed. Oh, it absolutely. It, yeah. It must. You seem uh, too confident to think you'd need it versus the guy who like, fuck, I need to do this shit to get my movie made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say like why people do it because because you, you hear the word magic and you're like, what do you have magical powers? And I think Kenneth Anger does think he's capable of he's still alive. Har- harnessing supernatural That's magic things. In itself. That's true. Yeah. Kenneth Anger, he, he, the fact that he's still alive. I, I, it's punishment, actually. It's true. I have a funny feeling he's not very happy right now. He's not living like a great life, but um, but you never know. Maybe he's, he's fully realized. But... Um, you know that, like what Bry, the way he described it before was was in a previous podcast was that is that like ceremonial magic is is like a practice, kind of like playing music, and then it's not necessarily to achieve a goal. It's more to just like to to like like wade in a pool, you know, to just kind of float in water. Like, like, like the idea that it's like, you're not, you're not doing this magical, uh, these magical rituals to, to shoot laser beams out of your hands. Like you're doing it because you enjoy doing it. And like the the process is giving you something that that unique, much like, you know, just sitting around your house playing guitar might be. Um, But, you know, but at the same time, it's like with Scientology, I'm just, you're always thinking like, what the hell is the draw? Like, what are these people getting out of this? That to us, it seems ridiculous. And to us, it seems like, like, like just the silliest thing, waste of time uh, or or a negative um, 
uh, part of part, you know, a negative influence on your life. What are all these people getting out of this that makes it so worth it? Like there must be something. And that's part of the thing that it's like the carrot that keeps dangling in front of me that keeps me moving forward is and like studying in, life in it. general. Yeah. Just cause it's mm. like, it's like what, you know, what's really going on? Like, like if all these people are so obsessed with this, they got to be getting something out of it. Right. Cause not, they're not all dummies. I mean, some of them are dummies, but like some of them are really, I think of clown scene, the clown scene. <laughs> what are you getting out of this? <laughs> what are you getting out well, of this? I think it's what, so silly. I think it's two things. You probably get into it because you need something. You need an edge. Yeah. You have a desire, whatever it is, whether this is Scientology or the clown, the actual or clown <laughs> magic, whatever it is, you get into it because of that. But then once you're in it, you're so stuck. You find your people. You know, well, there's that or like, you know, a lot of these people that are in Scientology are stuck because they've given so much personal information and, money. and whatnot that like, oh, I have to keep I this has to work out because I've given right. way too much. And same thing with the magic. Maybe it's actually you've given something dark. You're like, oh, fuck, I fucked up and I have to fix it. And the only way I can think is more of this. And I think it's so it's like twofold. They're not mm-hmm. like getting anything out of it. They're trying to dig themselves out of the hole, but the shovel is the thing that they're creating the hole with mm-hmm. and trying to dig themselves out of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it could it's like a self uh replicating machine or a self-fulfilling prophecy or an endless cycle of some sort, you know, like the the yeah, the the mechanism by which they're trying to fix themselves is what keeps them buried. Uh, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. They they think that's working. You know, okay, I'll do more heroin because my life's fucked and I need to like make music. They do more heroin, then they lose their opportunity that they're about to get. And they're like, fuck. Okay, but if I do some heroin, I'll write another. I'll write a hit song, mm-hmm. and then they continues yeah i mean i'm thinking there are some success i mean like jimmy page he's still around he's not dead and he seems to be doing okay Uh, on heroin or why he used to be on heroin i don't think he is anymore i think he's he you know he like his life hasn't seemed to have fallen apart like uh like all these other guys have i mean maybe he wasn't as into it he was pretty into it i mean he's 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 about as into it as you can. Po- I mean, the guy bought Crowley's castle. Like, true, like true. He, he, it wasn't a random chance. Like he was, he, he he was into it. And like you know, a lot of that like occult imagery that's in Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, like if you watch the song remains the same. There there are moments like the, 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 there's a lot. Of, have you seen the song remains the same? Mm-hmm. The Led Zeppelin documentary. It's like a concert film, but there's all these scenes on like a at Crowley's castle. And there's people with swords and like backlit, you know, moonlight, you know, people on horses and, you know, wizards and shit like that. So like it, it, a lot of that imagery looks like it could have been shot by Kenneth Anger and who knows, maybe it was, but um uh, you know, so so the, the, there's that. I, so, I guess there's certainly a way for to be involved with this stuff without it destroying your life. But it seems to seems to destroy pe- people involved in it. Seem to just have these really uh, awful endings, and so I guess that's what's keeping me back from dabbling in it. Uh, barely you know, keeping, barely, <laughs> yeah, barely not from reading all the books and <laughs> all that. Yeah, well, it's fun. I mean, like you know, it, it's all bullshit. But then there's that element of like of like well maybe there's a little bit little part of this that's real and it's not just people just, you know, um, deluding themselves. Like maybe there's a little bit of reality or, or, you know, like it's that little, that little glimmer of possibility that keeps me interested in it. Right. Like, but, but I'm always in the same breath, you know, fully aware that it's probably nonsense and, you know, have a skeptical eye on it, but I don't know. There's like, it it makes life more fun that way to believe in a little magic Mm -hmm. and God bless. Um, is there anything else we should mention before we go to the ratings? The ratings, the ratings. Well, let, let's see. What did I talk about? I talked about uh, Kenneth Anger a lot. I talked about Alistair Crowley. I'm trying to think. I bet the, I bet you there's something I'm missing here from this whole deal that I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, I think we're good. What, what, how do the ratings? How do the ratings work, Joe? <laughs> they, we're going to rate... This movie, Lucifer Rising on a scale of 0 to 10 using something else as a reference point. That other thing could be another experimental film or it could be uh, Scientology. You could say Scientology is wicked. It's a 9. This Mm. is a 10. Whatever you want to do, 
it's all up to you. And if that doesn't make sense, it never does me and the Sasha Jay. will go first. No, I'm on board. I, like he like finally ten, got the last ten episodes, ten episodes. I, I figured. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, looks... we'll see. We'll be the judge. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll go first. So I recently, um, my fiance got me a song. She got uh, on Fiverr. She had somebody mix some songs for me, some Kanye Cute. songs. But her not knowing anything about music, same, just had no idea what even instructions to give the person or like, hey, if I pick these two songs, do they even go together at all? Mm -hmm. So she gave him these songs and what came out was a nightmarish Is she going to listen to this episode? Oh, she knows. She, uh, oh, okay, okay. And she won't. She won't listen to this episode. No. But, um, <laughs> Nor will I. So I was like, okay, this is a, this is funny, at least this song, even though it's not good. So I want to like just set it to a video and I'll post it so people can see it and whatnot. So I looked up um, just like a 3D, old computer 3D graphics compilation. There's a bunch of like short clips of like random like birds flying in an aquarium 3D shit. And I watched a bunch of it mm. and it's no narrative. It's incoherent. Um, but I think I w liked watching that much more than this movie, <laughs> Lucifer Rising. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'll give, uh, you know, a four out of ten. Um, much more. Lucifer Rising, I mean, I don't even think I remember watching this, even though I watched it. <laughs> I uh, I was hoping something like this would be really, okay, we love something where I'm like, this isn't that very good, then the person, our guest, mm -hmm. convinces says, you. Yeah, no, this is a way to look at it. I don't think that was done today. <laughs> I think I got some interesting information. A lot of context. Context. I got a insane. lot of context. But... Um, it's uh, really bad. I don't like uh, filmmakers <laughs> like that. Um, it's going to have to get a zero. Whoa. <laughs> nice. I'm glad it was 28 minutes. Um, but even then, I mean, it felt like it took Lifetime. a lot of my day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just don't think I'm a, I'm a fan of... I'm not sure what... I'm still not sure what's what to enjoy of the movie itself. Fair enough. Kenneth Anger, he's got your number now. He d I'm, I'm not going to read his letter. If he sends me a letter written in blood, I'm not going to even read a word. No, 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 no. Um, I'm going to compare this movie to like a not a good improv show. Like a the show they have to sit through and you're like, no, it's 26 minutes. <laughs> the hosts mm -hmm. chose... They gave themselves the chunk of the hour. They're doing the a 40 minute set. They're doing a 40 minute set. Yes. I actually have a team in mind, but I'm not going to mention <laughs> their name. Timing, time is everything for me. Time, like the fact that I knew this was short made it easier. <laughs> <laughs> 40 minute improv show is unwatchable. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a, um, a four. That's a, that's a four. <laughs> four popping up. Um, but I will give I will give the the couple of shots that I enjoyed in the Kenneth Anger's Lucifer Rising. I am not like an artsy person who can go to a museum and be like the art is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't like. I need a story behind it. So once I lost the story in about like minute four, um, and the first <laughs> shot is just three minutes long. <laughs> so because it's short. Um, I would give it. Uh, I would give it like a five. Yeah. Oh, better than an improv show. Yeah, because improv because show. improv shows f is is long. Like it's 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 long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this one is short, so that that's why. But it's similar. If they were the same length, who knows? But yeah. <laughs> That's Same good. I, I I like that comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, one of the hardest things to sit through is a bad improv show. I Jay really reacts badly to bad improv shows. Like he cannot fake it. It's been so long for me since I've sat and watched one that I don't know. I know a lot of emotions would come up, like that. I'm didn't old trauma even know would come yeah. up. Yeah, mm -hmm. where I'd be like, oh my god, I feel like I time traveled. Jay, yeah, yeah. What um, about you? What about me? So, I'm going to. This is gonna be. So, see, this is a weird one because I I love this movie, but I don't think it's like a ten. Like most of the stuff I bring into the show, I consider like a nine or a ten. 
uh, I'm going to consider like, like if I'm going to compare this to something, let's compare it to um, Valhalla rising. Oops. Valhalla rising the Nicholas winding Refn movie starring Mads Mikkelsen Viking epic, you know, like, like set in the kind of uh, similar to the Northman that's out right now. Um, you know, cool movie, like very, very interesting, like, uh, uh, but also very long and um, you know, doesn't really have much of a story, but is very atmospheric. But, but in the end, at the end of the day, it's a lot more effective uh, of a filmmaking experience. So I'm going to give like Valhalla rising, like uh, an eight. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to give Lucifer rising like a seven. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so it's like, it's, it's, I'm definitely enjoying, like, I'm going to want to watch Valhalla rising, uh, uh, you know, I'm more likely to watch that than Lucifer Rising, but um, but you know, is so, it a full? Is it a feature? Yeah, it's a feature film. So so I, I guess what I'm saying, my point is, like I would watch this this kind of slow moving ethereal art film that is in some way inspired by Lucifer Rising, but is longer, much longer. I'm, I would give that a watch uh, sooner than I would give the 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 the, the more brief Lucifer Rising uh, a watch. So he doesn't like, care about time so much. Well, I mean, if, if if it's if it's really long and it's really bad, then I get offended by it. But like, uh, you know, if if it's if they're going for it, like, you know, I guess it's all just if, if the filmmaker is being, um, you know, masturbatory or not. So, you mm. know, so it's like it's like if they're if they're being long. Like, what was the movie that we saw recently um, that was really long? Batman. Was it Batman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Batman just felt like man you're making like a, like a commercial film. I loved so many parts of it, but, but it's like, dude, it's like three hours long. I mean, you know, and it wasn't, if it was three or hours drive long, drive my car. Oh, that, that, that's actually the better example. So mm -hmm. like drive my car, um, would have been great. 90 minute movie. Yeah. Like, like it, maybe two hours. Maybe. Drive my car maybe was, 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 was a, like, I'm into the, the boring, slow moving Japanese slice of life movie like that genre. We both, I'm, we both love it. Yeah. We're both into it. We watch the Koreda uh, movies and just love Koreda them. Song. We 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 eat them up. But like Drive My Car, the, the, it it was like obnoxiously slow. Like like I wasn't like some when you watch a Tarkovsky movie and it's really slow, um, you still feel like you're 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 involved in it. Like like there's enough going on in the imagery um, to justify the 10 minute long uh, uncut, you know, shot, um, w you know, w whereas drive my car, there weren't those like profound shots and moments to linger on. And yet we still were lingering on them for a really mm -hmm. long time. So, so it just, you know, it, it felt I was taken out of it. So, but I'm certainly one who has the patience to, to deal with, with uh, long, long, boring shit. Um, but yeah, so so Lucifer Rising. It's uh, maybe I should have picked another one, but like I just thought that this is this is kind of the. It's got some of the coolest stories attached to should it. Should people but watch it or not? Pe people should definitely watch it. And if it in any way interests you, then you should go and watch Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. And then after that, you can check out like Invocation of My Demon Brother and Scorpio Rising. I mean, you know, really his most important film is Scorpio Rising. That's the one that really like in in a lot of ways. You know, like 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 Dennis Hopper has said, it's a huge inspiration for him uh, to make Easy Rider, and I mean, like it really, it really changed independent filmmaking in, in a major way. Um, so you know, so so definitely watch that. But uh, but give a loose for rising a watch. It's only twenty eight minutes. You can watch it on YouTube for free. Kenneth Anger doesn't see a dime, you know. And uh, but also, and if you're listening, Kenneth Anger, we you know we're kind of ending on a positive note for you right i mean kenneth anger i've probably watched your movies more than most people on this earth have watched your movies so i have a i have a deep respect Not I, he, 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 if, if i'm talking directly to mr anger i would say like you know I, I i i wish you were like i feel i feel sad that you're so angry and i know that's part of your brand but like but, yeah. but, but like i wish i could make Kenneth Anger not as angry because I feel like, you know, what's life if you're just going to go around scowling yeah. and pissed off and bitching about how people screwed you over? I mean, what kind of life is that? That, 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 that? That's a bummer. We only have so much time on this earth. Oh, got really sad at the end here. <laughs> oh, is there anything you want to plug, Jay? Uh, you can you can check out Podween Satan, the greatest podcast mm -hmm. in the galaxy. Uh, I'm sure a couple of my fans are watching or listening to this right now. Shout out. Shout out. So keep on, keep it on, keep on telling people about my podcast. <laughs> Joe, what about you? 
Uh, go over to Amazon and search The Longest Haiku. It's a book I wrote. It's a 90-page haiku that still um, satisfies the syllabic requirements. And also the um, satisfies setting it. requirement. Because I'm very passionate that a haiku should also be about the changing of the seasons and weather. And if, if it isn't, then it's actually not a haiku. It's just a poem with certain syllables. So it does satisfy all the requirements of a haiku while also being 90 pages. Well, that I'm I'm intrigued just by that proposition, like because I don't even know how that's possible. But I want I'll, that's what, I'll enlighten you. I'm, I'm being, I'm <laughs> being brought in. Go I'll buy it. It's you. only 4.99 on Amazon. All right. And thank you, Mr. Owl, aforementioned Mr. Owl, for this amazing track. Thank you, Miss Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork, and thank you, Kenneth Anger. Don't be angry at us, please. <laughs> I, I beg you. Thank you all for listening.